It is a conversation that we will continue to have for the next six months. We're talking recruiting. We're talking the class of 24. We're talking transfers. We're talking rotations. We're talking lineups. It's a Syracuse basketball questionnaire via Twitter. It's your Monday episode of Locked On Syracuse, and it starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning. Happy Monday. Welcome into Lockdown Syracuse. I'm Owen Valentine, and thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. It's a fun little episode today. I took to Twitter, uh, sent out asking what questions you all were interested in at this point in time. Not quite a mailbag. I think this is just sort of a test in the waters to see where your focus is where my focus is, making sure we're on the same page in terms of what we're talking about today. A lot to cover today. We'll talk the 2024 class and where Syracuse in what has been a very busy first couple of weeks in the Adrian Autry era of Syracuse basketball, getting out on the recruiting trail. So a little bit of an update on that. We'll talk a little bit about the transfer portal. We'll talk a little bit about who goes, who stays. We got a lot to cover. So let's get right after it. We'll take a break on Monday today from what is one of, if not, I think there are some people that might argue that this is the best weekend in sports. Uh, It is definitely up there. The Thursday through Sunday of week one of the NCAA tournament is absolutely electric. This has been a chaotic tournament. You cannot predict what is going to happen. A lot of upsets, a lot of great games so far. It's been fun. Uh, So we reconvene on a Monday. There hasn't been any truly groundbreaking news in terms of Syracuse basketball as of my recording at about 9.30 on Sunday night. But as we say, things can change. So we're going to start today. We're going to take a look at the 2024 recruiting class. So what we know right now with Syracuse in the class of 24 is they have a commitment. They have Elijah Moore, Choppa, committed to Syracuse, four-star guard, a uh, bit of a combo guard. We like what we see. We keep seeing good things out of him. He continues to impress and grow and is doing really good closing out uh, his high school season. And you're looking to see what happens next. Is there another name that can join that conversation and join that 24 class at this point in time? And I think there's a decent possibility that something like that does happen. We'll talk transfers a little bit later, but right now you see the focus from the Syracuse coaching staff. New head coach in Adrian Autry, new associate head coach in Jerry McNamara, uh, still on the roster in terms of an assistant coach in Alan Griffin. All out and about, really, really attacking the recruiting trails, getting out, being seen, being present. And I think being present goes such a long way with these players in high school and looking, especially during a change to see from Syracuse that they're still there. They're still interested. They still want you, and they want to show that they want you by physically showing up, I do think goes a long way and will be a, a big factor down the stretch in these recruits if, if Syracuse makes top fives, top threes, whatever it might be, and continues to roll from there. The biggest name that, that I'm thinking right now, and maybe 
you know, given what we saw already in the transfer portal with Starling coming in and, and a guard situation there. Uh, and the fact that Elijah Moore also a guard in that 24 class, depending on what happens with Starling, depending on what happens with a guy like Quidier Copeland, depending with what happens uh, with a couple of other guys in that mix. I don't think people want me to say a guard at this point in time as the next addition to that 24 class. But the more I see what's happening, the more I hear these conversations, the more I see where Syracuse's focus is. I think Jalil Bethea is the biggest priority for them in this 24 class right now. They've been present there at his game last week. Seems like the rumblings are with Syracuse in terms of them being there and continuing to to converse. And he was talking last week about, oh, he's always in talks with McNamara, things like that. I think Bethea is the priority, and I believe he should be. You got two, if you can bring Bethea in, you'll have two combo guards and more in Bethea, plus, you know, whatever's left from, from this year in terms of, you know, if, if Starling is still around in another year, if, um, I don't know, Copeland is, is a big-time player or not quite. Like, there's a lot of shakeup in there. And I think it's okay to have two combo guards coming in in that class, even if they are two, you know, big-time combo guards. And, and Bethea is, depending on where you look, he's a consensus top 60 player in the class. The four-star guy, Rivals has him rated the highest at 39 uh 24/7's got him at I believe 59 and on 3's got him at like 53 or maybe those two are flip-flopped either way. This is going to be a big name guy and a guy that's going to want to be on the court and should be on the court. And so that is something at play there when you're bringing in your only recruit right now in that 24 class. And it's early. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. Is a combo guard to bring in a guy uh in the exact position and the exact phrasing. Uh, might not be perfect, but I think it could work out. I think you're far enough into the future where you can bring these two guys in and they can both be very successful. And I think that would be a good fit. I, I like how he plays. Uh, we could talk his play style a little bit more. Things heat up with him at this point in time. 24-7's got UCLA as warm with Bethea. On three has Syracuse via their recruiting predictions machine. So their RPM. They have Syracuse at 51%. So seems like Syracuse is is in that mix and continues to be in that mix. And Bethea last week, we talked about it on our last Monday episode, talked about how the coaching change doesn't really shake up all too much, still likes this coaching staff, has been in contact with them a lot, and it means a lot for them all to be there. So that's a really good sign. Uh, another name that I've been seeing pop up a little bit is Thomas Sorber. Uh, he's a four-star, he's 6'9", power forward slash center, depending on where you look. I think he might be a little bit better of a fit for a power forward at 6'9", and he's not a big, big boy at this point in time. Uh, so I like him more as a power forward, but uh, this is where the coaching staff reportedly was this weekend on Friday. Uh, the coaching staff was not out celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Uh, they were down in, in Philly and uh, watching Archbishop Ryan and Thomas Sorber playing uh, a playoff game for uh, I forget the the exact name of the the Philadelphia the Pennsylvania high school tournament. Uh, it's maybe P A I P A I A A or something like that or P I A A uh, something like that. Uh, so in that tournament, seeing him play, getting out, showing face there. Um, 
was one block away from a triple-double in the game. So the guy played lights out. I think it was 14, uh, 14 points, 12 rebounds, nine blocks. Uh, so good defensive guy. Played a really, really strong defensive game. 24-7's got Maryland warm. On three has St. John's, Penn State, and Pitt as their most likely. This is something a little bit more recent in terms of Syracuse, where I think the focus is them trying to find a bigger guy or a four or a five in that 24 class. Uh, I think he's a good player. He is a four-star guy. Neil Adler uh, over at Inside the Loud House did an article talking a little bit about him, uh, talking about how he's been on the rise and could very well be uh, trending in the right direction towards maybe even more than four stars. Uh, Really good player. Uh, And the cool thing with him that uh, was pointed out by Adler in that article as well was Bethea and Sorber uh, play for team final in the Nike EYBL league. Uh, So they play together and Bethea in an interview said that he would, uh, if there was one guy that he plays with that he would like to play with at the next level in college, uh, Sorber was the guy that was brought up. Uh, A couple other names to maybe look at at this point, Uh, Koala talk. I'm not positive. That's how you say it. Best I can do right now. I haven't seen any, uh, commentary of him or any uh, interviews with him yet. So uh, forgive me if I say that wrong. Four-star guy, 6'9", power forward. Uh, as you know, Adler said, he's been killing it, as always, um, with his uh, recruiting coverage for Syracuse basketball. Some more recent thing for Syracuse as well. And then the other one, you know, they're not really making progress at this point in time. They're not not making progress, but a guy in Boogie Fland, or Boogie Fland, uh, five-star point guard slash combo guard, depending on what you want to say. Uh, they're still in the picture at this point in time. I don't know how long that lasts, but it would be interesting to see what happens there. So very busy in terms of the coaching staff, in terms of getting out in recruiting this 2024 class. I think that's where the priority is because we still don't know where things lie in terms of transfers and how many available spots exist at Syracuse on the men's basketball team is still up in the air. That's what we have to talk about after the break. But before that, let's talk a little bit about Built Bar. The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'll be voting for the peanut butter brownie. It is my favorite personally. And if you want Syracuse to win, you'll be voting for that bar too. So support your team, support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite drawing, where 50 lucky Lockdown listeners will get a free box of Built, not only that, but one Lockdown fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered every month straight to your door. You got to try Built, the best protein bar ever. They're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. What makes Built bars and puffs so good, they're a high-quality protein, they're low in sugar, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. It's real chocolate. Run to Built Bar or to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now. Vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. All right, let's take to Twitter. Uh, it's not that Twitter was not discussing that, but more formal ca- questions were brought into the air uh, over on Twitter. So let's hit on some of those. Uh, any intel on who's staying? That's from Eichlenberg27, and I think that's where everybody's questions currently lie and everyone's focus is and I am trying to stay as up to date on every single rumbling that I possibly can uh, between guys like Adler between 
you know, who uh, Mike McAllister in the mix there between the Syracuse.com folks trying to see, you know, people like that. And also, you know, mixing in the uh, guys like uh, Joe Tipton and um, uh, our, our boys over 24 seven high school hoops over on Twitter uh, and seeing all of these different, you know, uh, sites and pages and accounts that are, you know, keeping you up to the minute in terms of the transfer portal, in terms of big news, uh, all these people definitely worth a follow. If you do not follow them to stay in the loop, I haven't heard anything outside of like very obscure rumblings that I don't know, you know, how far you want to read into, right? We have a theory that Benny Williams is going to transfer because of a black and white Instagram story that Judah Mintz put up after he put a similar one up for Simeon Torrance. Does that mean he's transferring? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. Uh, Joe Girard, Jesse Edwards. The closest thing I have to an answer from either of those is on the Cole Swider podcast uh, last week, last Friday, I believe it might have been, or last Thursday. Jesse said he's 50-50 and trying to make the best decision for himself. We don't know. And as I've said many times uh, in the week that has been the open transfer portal, until we know what's happening in central New York, you're almost handcuffed in terms of what you can do in the portal. And I think that is the biggest reason why when you look at, you know, accounts that are putting up, here's who offered so-and-so in the transfer portal. Here's who so-and-so has heard from since joining the transfer portal. Syracuse is nowhere to be seen. And I think that's because we just don't know in central New York who is gone and who is staying. And until that info is crystal clear, or you're at least, you know, the dust starts to settle, there's only so much you can do. So we'll see what happens. I would be shocked if no one was gone. If between guys like, you know, your all your forwards in terms of uh, Justin Taylor, in terms of Benny Williams, in terms of uh, Malik Brown, in terms of uh, Chris Bell, if all four of them are back, I, I would be pretty surprised in all honesty. Joe and Jesse, what's happening there? Where are we falling? That's a discussion that'll happen in a second as well, right? Until we know that, there's only so much that we can do. And I haven't heard anything in terms of those decisions outside of, you know, trying to piece together if an Instagram story merits you going nuts in terms of someone heading out from central New York. What else we got here? Um... How Starling will fit in next year and Mintz hinting on a return. That's from MNL tonight. Uh, I mean, you all were, you hit on it. This was your tweet, MNL tonight, when I was uh, looking a couple of days ago. And you see, you had it, I believe, right? I'm scrolling through your page right now. Where is it? Talking about how two guys were out in Miami, I believe, over the past weekend. Were they not? Or was that someone else? Did I botch? Possibly. I'll try and find the tweet. Um, out and about in Miami, per some Instagram stories. Uh, yeah, it was you. Um, Judah Mintz and incoming Syracuse transfer J.J. Starling are both in Miami. Could Mintz stay another year knowing J.J. Starling's on the way? I think I'm probably 75% right now that he stays. And maybe that's hopelessly optimistic. But I think I'm 75-25 in terms of him staying versus leaving. And I think Starling is a huge contributor in him wanting to come back and those two playing together and those two having some time, 
uh, on the court together and, and being able to run. And I think the two of them, if they can play together, is going to be, as I talked last week, such a fun and different basketball than what we've seen the last couple of years. No offense to, you know, the Judah and Joe combo. No offense to the the Joe and Buddy combo. No offense to the Joe and Buddy combo from the year prior, right? But the last few seasons, in terms of guard play, there has been a lack of ability to really get out and run and to, to get out and transition a ton and play that faster offense. And these two together are going to be able to push and get out and move. And one of them being off ball, they both get to the rim so well, is going to be awesome because they're both going to demand a lot of attention in terms of being able to switch, being able to uh, play proper help defense is going to leave guys open. And you saw that transition this season with Judah start of the year, not as the best distributor, but was able to figure it out a little bit more when he's drawing the attention that he can distribute. And you saw it down the stretch. He was passing the ball significantly better than how he started the season. I don't think it's absurd to expect a similar transition from Starling this season. He didn't distribute the ball incredibly, just about two assists a game at Notre Dame this year. But I think in a more well-rounded team, right, that was a very bad Notre Dame basketball team, he can find with the attention that Judah gets, with the attention that he's going to demand, he can be able to distribute the ball as well because he gets the ball on the floor and can create space. And they both have, you know, a variation of some sort of pull-up jumper that they're pretty efficient with and can do, which adds that variety. And when you take the ability to get to the rim that they both have, the ability to, I don't want to say settle, that's not the right word, the ability to uh, pull up with a smart, you know, shot of some sort in that mid-range game, they both have. And to be able to, both of them, be able to distribute really effectively off of that dribble penetration is going to be incredibly effective for Syracuse offensively as a duo. So I think it is more likely right now that Mint stays And I think that is phenomenal news for Syracuse and the ability for these two to play together because I truly think they are both good enough combo guards, right? You've got to think Judah is a combo guard who played the point guard the entire season. Starling can play that role as well. And I think that's where it should be. I think Judah should be the one Starling at the two just because Starling shoots the ball a little bit better. But I think undoubtedly you just get the ball to who shows for it, who's open, and you play with two point guards. And the other one is just off ball, and that is 1,000% okay. And that is a a conversation that I believe will happen so many more times throughout the offseason, and we will continue to talk about that. Um, Let's see what else we got. The uh, Ryan Cuse, this might lead us to our second break, and then we'll talk about uh, this question and a couple of more after and close out our Monday episode here. Uh, so Ryan Stevens talking about, oh, we got two Ryans, Ryan Stevens, Ryan Q. So we'll hear from both Ryans after the break, uh, talking about a new assistant possibility in Brennan Strong or Strong and the JG3 and Jesse Edwards returning to Syracuse conversation. What does it mean? Where does it fall? What would be the best for Syracuse after a quick word from our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. 
Tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure. It's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. You can talk spread. You can talk money line. You can talk total, player points, rebounds, assists, the two-by-three. What do we like right now? Are we still going to look at an NCAA tournament future? Who do we like right now? Alabama's looked outstanding. I don't want to say this on a Syracuse podcast, but Connecticut looks really, really good. And they're shooting the ball really well at this point in time. And I don't I don't know if uh, the Central New York fan base really wants to hear that right now, but they are. Uh, that would be maybe worth plus 900 you know i forget who tweeted it out they have won the natty the last two times they made the sweet 16 it's horrible i hate that i said it but they are playing some good basketball right now plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay so don't miss a chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go fanduel.com slash locked that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with fanduel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, let's start first with Ryan Stevens and the thoughts on JG3 and Jesse Edwards returning. Right now, you are in this sort of up-in-the-air moment where you don't know what's going to happen with Joe Girard and Jesse Edwards. And a lot of schools and a lot of teams are in a similar boat with their seniors that have that extra year of eligibility and figuring out what's happening with them, what they want to do. And as I said, outside of the Cole Swider podcast, I haven't heard anything about either of those two with regards to staying or leaving. I put a tweet out, a little bit of a survey to see what you would prefer as a Syracuse fan base. We got about 250 votes at this point in time. 55% say only Jesse stays would be the best situation for Syracuse. 35% say both Joe and Jesse staying is the best situation for Syracuse. You got 9% saying neither Joe or Jesse should stay is the best case. And then 1.3%, that means like three of you have voted for this. Only Joe Girard stays. Uh, So right now it seems like Jesse Edwards is the want with when you do some math here, 90% of Syracuse fans wanting Jesse back in some capacity. And that would be tremendous. And as we get to another tweet from Syracuse Sports Online, uh, or not from Syracuse Sports Online, another tweet within this conversation, I miss Marek Dolajai. That's where the tweet came from. Edwards putting on a little bit more size and developing a mid-range makes an ACC player of the year. I think a returning Jesse Edwards with a little bit more size, a little bit of a jumper, as you said, and just a little bit more comfort, confidence, and ability to put some post moves in and be the best player on the court could very well be in a conversation for ACC Player of the Year. And I don't think that's an absurd take. I do think that if he comes back and makes some improvements in this offseason and in this summer, could be a player of the year candidate. Will it happen? I don't know, but I think he has the potential to join that conversation if he comes back for one more year. Joe Girard is a top 20 scorer in Syracuse basketball. 
Joe comes back, and this is where it's going to be a tough sell. If Joe comes back as a sixth man, that would be absolutely incredible. The question, though, does Joe want to come back as a sixth man? Or does he want to go play somewhere else? Or does he want to be done, right? What does that decision consist of? No one really knows yet. But if Joe comes in as a sixth man, in that true role that I think he would excel in the most, as a sixth man off the bench where he can be a shooter and come in and absolutely chuck, and on your days keep chucking, and when you don't have it, just go back to the bench. It's okay. With these two guards in Judah, in Starling, and a spot-up shooter, a guy who we know can shoot on a day when he's shooting the ball well and has shown us for four years that he can shoot on any given night. To have him come in off the bench and supplement their ability to get to the rim with a three-point shooting ability that he has would be tremendously important. Does it put you back a little bit in terms of it hurts Quidier Copeland's progress? Yes. But at the same time, I mean, you, you want to be in what gets you the furthest in terms of ACC standings, in terms of the ACC tournament, in terms of returning to the NCAA tournament and making a run. That's what you got to focus on. And I think despite the fury that some fans might have surrounding Joe Girard, having him on the team in some capacity, this is a new coach. This is not a Bayheim plays favorites ordeal would be more beneficial than not having him at this point in time. Barring there being a lights-out three-point shooter waiting for Joe to leave to transfer in, which I don't necessarily think is the case. But if it is, fine. You need three-point shooting. Because Starling, Mintz, we saw it this year. Copeland's not really a three-point shooting guy. Taylor struggled from three at times. Bell struggled from three at times. You want some three-point shooting. And right now, Joe Girard is the only name coming in that is a decent three-point shooter. So I think it's worth having him back. We'll continue that conversation, I'm sure. That debate will heat up, I'm sure. All right, our other Ryan question at this point in time. Uh, Brendan Strawn might be bringing an impact transfer with him, but no indication of who that could be. Uh, and then we get Bernie Finnegan coming in with a guy in Donnie Freeman, who I believe is project. I forget where he, he's a, he's a good player. Uh, and I don't know what Syracuse has had in terms of communications with him. Uh, but he is a guy from the DMV, which is where Strawn has shown that he is, well, that's where he's from, uh, and is one of the recruiting specialists there. That's why Syracuse wants to bring him in because of his ability to recruit that area, his connections in that area, would be interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, it's also worth noting, and I'm not sure this is a name that you really want, you didn't do anything at George Washington, but Daniel Nixon is transferring out of George Washington. That's all I've heard uh, in terms of anything that could have to do with a name at this point in time. Uh, we don't have a ton of time left, so let's rifle through maybe a few and wrap up the episode. Um, we'll do some recruiting and transfer updates. I did what I could right now. I don't know, Rob, anything new in terms of the basketball portal. Uh, we'll do some football chat, I believe, later this week. Uh, Kurt Mann says, love the pod. Everyday listener, go Cuse. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, what else do we got? 
JJ and Judah in all caps by Dylan. Uh, that's how we'll close it. I think I got a couple of shout outs very quickly to bring us into our close here. Hughes women's basketball still alive in the NIT second round game tonight on Monday at 7 PM against Seton hall. These two teams haven't played since the big East days. So I don't know if there's still a, uh, any bad blood or any, you know, memory of that. It's been what, 2014 or 2013 would have been the last time they played. Uh, it's been a while. And here's the biggest news. Shout out Cuse women's lack still nine and oh, they have not played since the last time we talked about them, but who did play? It's the number one team in the country in North Carolina. And they lost to Northwestern. Who's the number two team in the country. That's Cuse women's lax. The natural progression means that Cuse Women's Lacks will be the number one team in the country. They deserve a shout-out. They deserve your support. They're back in action, I believe, tomorrow uh, on Tuesday. So be ready. Strap in. There could be a number one, and there should be and will be a number one next to their name this week when they hit the field. That's amazing. Good for them. Uh, Thank you for the questions. If you ever have more questions, anything to hit on quickly, or just want to check in at LO underscore Syracuse on Twitter. Uh, if you're with us on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe, leave a comment, leave a like, turn on the notification bell so you know instantly when I put a video up. Uh, you can call me out for whatever I say wrong. I'm trying to make my brain work perfectly, but sometimes I mess up. It's okay. I like when you call me out, keeps me on my toes, helps me to avoid it in the future as we move forward. Uh, have a great Monday, everybody. Have a wonderful week. I will see you maybe tomorrow, maybe Wednesday, depending on what does or doesn't happen in terms of Syracuse news. Uh, have a good one. Go Cuse Women's Basketball. And number one, Cuse Women's Lacks. What a way to close out the show. I'm Owen Valentine. I'll see you when I see you.